Welcome back to the roundtable, episode nine. Six people, three, same. Everyone here is returning, so they've been on the show before. A few people reached out. A few people I said, hey, be on the show. Um, so this should be fun. Zach Ford, you're on the show again. What'd you bring this time? Is it a movie you've seen before, or is this a movie that you've you haven't seen? Because you did I that decided, with Paper Moon. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to alternate um, experimenting with things I haven't seen and some old time favorites. Um, so I brought uh, the movie Moscow and the Hudson, um, a movie I actually saw at a pretty young age. It was a movie my mom really loved and just happened to be on TV. Um, then I revisited it as an adult, and um, I, I find it kind of a, s- a sleeper that has a lot of great things that people don't really uh you know take the time to 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 remember and think about in the career of robin williams um it's really one of my favorite movies of his um i i have a lot of thoughts about robin williams acting i really thought about during this but we'll, we'll kind of save it on there but i think this movie is slyly very thoughtful about immigration and the like idea of american freedom it, it can, i think on a surface level you can view it very um kind of like patriotic as like america is all that matters but i think there's some subtle digs at the american culture and i think we're just doing freedom. intros right now oh it's all right we were <laughs> just doing <laughs> intros to- you asked what i brought i didn't want to interrupt well, him, yeah, like, oh, well yeah just long title though people don't know long title we were just a, saw the title and that- i'm glad we i'm glad we got your initial thought we'll talk to you in a second about your movie um i, I just want like to see what you brought it was- by the thing yeah. I said I brought, you should have uh, said macaroni and cheese. You just told me the recipe, but it's all right. I brought, we'll a, lot, a, I brought a, lot of, a lot of nonsense. <laughs> um, next up, uh, Scott, just the title of your film. What'd you bring and how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, I brought the 1978 film Girlfriends directed by Claudio Vile. I think Zach's description of his movie was longer than my entire film that I brought. So. <laughs> Uh, you, need, you need at least a hundred more words. Come on. Uh, returning always, Brian. Brian, what'd you bring us this time? Um, uh, you don't care how I'm doing, but I'm doing fine. No, yeah. How uh, are you doing? <laughs> Zach threw me off. I'm, I'm, um, I'm I brought a uh, small little independent movie from 2017 called Dave Made a Maze, uh, which I brought uh, basically just because it's unlike anything you've seen before, and it's just, if nothing else, it's super creative. I can attest he does make a maze. We'll get to that at uh, later. Um, next up, Kirk, how you doing? You brought Bugsy last time. What'd you bring us this time? Uh, how I'm are doing, you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, my movie is from 2004. It's called Primer, uh, underseen movie that I just want to get more eyes on. All right. Um, and Boatman, you're back. Um, I can't even remember what you brought last time. I know I, I. It didn't pop off, but it'll make great conversation. Yeah, what'd you bring? Last time I made, I brought the in-laws. Uh, last it. time I brought the in-laws. This time I brought uh, seven days in. Okay, and how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I think I'm lagging a little bit though, so that's fun. But yeah, we'll get yeah. Boatman back here in a second when he drops and comes back. Um, and the last one I brought was Fury. A movie, you know, 2014, under, like, didn't see it. So we'll see how that goes. Brad Pitt, war movie. So we're going to start, kind of got a glimpse of it, um, of <laughs> Moscow on the Hudson. You can take it away from where you left off, uh, of why you brought this film to us. Yeah, no clue where I left off. but I, 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 Immigration. I, 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think perfect uh, gateway. The movie resists a lot of Rob Williams-ness that even like his greatest dramas um, will still have. He gets to be a lot more low-key, but still have humor, um, but just is able to give such a touching view of someone trying to um, kind of discover themselves outside of the, the culture and government that they were stuck in and then discover themselves in, um, and their concept of what it means to find their art and find their freedom um in this new american and as i was kind of hinting that as i i think there is it's there's no easy uh ideas about you know coming to america's american dream and get those freedom I, I think it's a lot more complex than that especially on on rewatches um they definitely clash at you know the american ideal is is nice to have in your mind to 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 have as a goal but doesn't really exist and i'm especially like the consistent not really a bit and this kind of like a real new york thing but all these immigrants are working in like low level positions or hot dog vendors and they're like yeah i'm an astrophysicist and this is what i've done and it, it's like they're trying to achieve something but it's such a hard long road um so i'll i'll take it off the other people now yeah um so i saw this movie this was the only movie that i saw before um what everybody else picked and it didn't hit with me the first time i watched it because if you look at the poster it looks like it's going i without looking more into it i thought it was going to be a lot funnier than what it was with williams in new york all the situation it's more of like there's funny moments but there's more of a drama element to it and i really like the element of like New York City, the city like that has a ton of, you know, population that comes in from other countries because to achieve the American dreams and how it's not as easy and advertised probably in other countries or whatever, how it's easy to make it in the country. So I thought that was really interesting. Overall thoughts from everybody else in the movie. I it definitely went up on me and rewatched. Did anybody see this movie prior to uh, watching it today? Okay. Yeah, uh, I had seen this before. Uh, it was. I, I, my experience is kind of the opposite of yours, Cody, where I really like this on the first watch, particularly because of Robin Williams. And I think sometimes when you get a movie where the performance is just so good, when you watch it on second time, you already know that the performance is great. It kind of forces the movie to live on its own a little bit without the performance. And for me, the movie as a whole while good didn't fully grab me, I think the romance, I think, is a little bit of a weaker element. It's not bad. It just kind of feels, with a lot of movies, the romance usually just kind of feels there's a romance because we need to have a romance. Uh, but there are some really good elements I like. I really like the secu the dynamic between Williams and the security guard. I think that's really fun. I can't think of the actor's name, but it's the guy who plays Mr. Ditkovich in uh, Spider-Man. Elliot, uh, he's very fun. Yeah, I think he's super fun. Uh, some really good moments. I like the little moment towards the end with the hot dog vendor. But overall, I don't think the movie comes together as a whole, but Williams is incredible. I think, like, I, I want to agree with some of the stuff that Zach's saying about the, the movie's depiction of, like, the immigrant experience and everything, but for me, the movie takes too long to get going. Like, I don't think you really get to that sort of stuff until you're almost an hour in. Like, there's a lot of wind up with him back home. And then, you know, he's got, 
you know, the his cousin or who or his friend, whoever that's also one is the one who actually wants to defect and then, you know, chickens out or whatever when they're actually there at the Bloomingdale's or whatever. But it didn't really get into the stuff that was interesting to me until, you know, he he decides to defect. He's going to stay there. And, you know, you do have some scenes that I like a lot. Like, you know, I, I enjoyed the um, like the citizenship ceremony, right, that um, his girlfriend has. Like I, you know, some people may know, but like half of what I do in my practice uh, is immigration law. And so um, I, you know, uh, interested in that sort of process and getting to the point where you get your citizenship is a very long and torturous process. And so um, when people actually do are able to achieve that. It's a, very, it's a very meaningful thing. And I thought that the way that the movie depicted that was to show how meaningful it is. And I also do agree with Zach that I like that the movie isn't, you know, they're not waving the flag, right? Like, yes, you do have that scene that has some, you know, it's it's meaningful. It's sentimental in a way when they're becoming Amer American citizens. But um, it's more about their personal journey and, and why it's it, it means a lot to them as a person more so than it is oh look at how fortunate they are now to be underneath the you know the banner of the american flag um you know in some ways it's certainly better than where where they came from but um it's not a perfect life either um yeah like the hot dog vendor thing is good you know um he's like I, well they couldn't actually let me back in my own country after you know what happened of course so um here i am i have to do this now um and I think, yeah, I think there's good little moments in there. I agree. I don't think the romance is that great. Um, yeah, it's just not really fully formed, in my opinion. Um, moments, but I think my my main complaint is that it took too long to get going. It took too long to get to the stuff I really like. Um, you have this element of is a little bit. There's a lot of background noise. Sorry, come back from somebody's end. You have this element of the romance, which is a little bit half-baked. But then, you know, you do... Like, I also really like when he plays the saxophone with, like, the dude that he idolized and everything. I think that was a good scene, too. Um, he he is getting to... You know, that's one of those moments of low. He is getting to achieve these things that he never thought he was able to. But there's other moments that ground it, too. I think Robin Williams is good in the movie. Um, you know, I'm not... I don't really feel one way in particular about him. I'm not anti-him. I'm not super pro-him. But... Um, yeah, I think it's a good example of a comedy actor, actor mainly known for comedies, giving a good dramatic performance. Obviously, well, I, I think two people here liked the romance because me and Zach, I, I enjoyed the romantic elements yeah. of the relationship. And I think two people didn't. Brian and Kirk, how do you sit on it? Because I actually like the dynamic between them. That's what made me like get more into the story and like the writing home and like saying like what's happening in his life, even though it's like embellishments of what's actually going on. Um, I, I enjoyed that element of it, but it seemed like the other two didn't. So what? What? Yeah, what's Andrea Kachita just super charming. So. Well, that's so the thing. Is that first of all, we have to see Maria Kachita Alonso make back-to-back -back appearances on the show after being for Vampire's Kiss in her last <laughs> last show. Um, so she's back again. Um, it is a weird relationship, but it starts off with you know his face basically in her ass under her skirt. That's an interesting way to start a relationship. Um, I but I mean, wife. <laughs> so I mean, I had no problem with that. I mean, it's 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 a comedy. I mean, in that particular aspect of it, it was definitely going for the comedy, and and it works. It's kind of one of those kind of things you just buy into. Was the 
was the relationship with the love story like a main plot of the movie? I don't think really. I mean, it, it, towards the end, it played some bigger parts, but it kind of it was just like one one part of the story of his coming to America. Um, for me, I had never seen this movie before. I honestly don't know how this slipped through the cracks. I just never got around to seeing it. And for me, being able to see this, you know, a Robin Williams movie I haven't seen before, it's like getting a new Robin Williams movie um, because it was great. It's like something I hadn't seen before. I really didn't know anything about it beyond, beyond like the basic log line of what the movie is about. And so on that level, I really enjoyed it, especially because uh, this is kind of my favorite Robin Williams because he gets to play plenty of comedic moments, but in what is really a more within a more dramatic role. Um, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorites of his is the Fisher King, which is the same kind of thing where he gets to be goofy and stuff in certain scenes, but it really is. It's a, it's a drama. The basic story of it is his drama because that's my favorite Robin Williams, because when he's being just a complete clown through the movie, it, it can be fun. But, you know, it gets a little tiring with him doing a shtick for an entire movie. And then when he's doing straight drama, like, I don't know, like one hour photo or something, you know, you, you're not getting the Robin Williams you know and love. So this is kind of that fine line that really is the perfect kind of movie of his for me. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, it, it also is kind of a, for me, kind of a time capsule of its time because it's like, it's a very definite time in like the New York City before it got kind of cleaned up. And it's a very gritty kind of New York City. And plus, it just kind of made me feel nostalgic for the 80s just because, I mean, you got movie marquees with Flashdance and War Games are up there and just seeing like the products in the grocery store shelves, things like that. It really just kind of brought me back to that time. So I enjoyed that level as well. I agree it started off a little bit slow. Um, not necessarily a bad thing, but I think I think what got me was that um, they kept the whole first, you know, whatever, 30 minutes plus whatever that was in Russia in all subtitles which is fine, but for a mainstream, like, supposed comedy in the U.S., I, I'm, I was actually a little bit surprised by that choice. So, like, normally they just have, like, speaking English with Russian accents and just say, well, they're in Russia and you just kind of have to go with it. Like, you understand it. So I thought that was an interesting choice. Um, but I actually, I enjoyed this movie. I mean, it's not like my favorite Rob Williams or anything, but but I liked it. Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat as Brian. I'd never seen this before. Um, I think me and Brian are probably the only two here who can actually remember when this movie came out. And um, I remember seeing advertised before. And for me, it was like the first time I had seen like, I'm like, oh, that's that's the Mork and Mindy guy doing like a serious movie. And I think I think World According to Garp was probably before this. I th right. Is that? Yeah. But yeah, this, this, this is the first time I remember seeing him doing anything that wasn't like a straight like, uh, you know, broad comedy Popeye um, yeah <laughs> yeah well I guess yeah too but um uh, another movie that rules but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's um but no I think he was perfect for this role I think he brings that kind of like charm and heart to it where he has that range where he has like the kindness and the gentleness but you also see him like get fed up and you know he's had enough and he falls in love and has all the range of emotions there so I think uh Williams is great because I'm I'm I know I'm in the minority I don't really like straight comedy from Robin Williams at all um, I'm kind of turned off by it, but um, when he does drama, this this level of drama, I think he's fantastic. So he's really good. Um, and I agree with Brian too. Like it has very much like that '80s Cold War America Reagan era feel to it, um, where again it is a, a very it's very much of its time. Uh, some of the stuff was a little flag wavy, which I don't mind. Like it doesn't bother me. But like the scene in the cafe. Where you have all the all the immigrants together and like they're all like reciting the Declaration of Independence and everything um, on on Fourth of July, um, but you also have like more realistic moments uh, like the scene in the grocery store stuck out to me because uh, I have friends who have actually come from from other countries who have told me 
um, like their first experience at an American grocery store, how overwhelmed they were by that. So I think that's that's incredibly realistic. Um, and yeah, I, I just think I love how it's just like a story of like ver various immigrants and various immigrant stories. I like the lawyer, um, how he had come from Cuba and he had like, you know, built himself up as a lawyer. Now he's helping others doing, you know, I like, you know, seeing his flashback of him first getting into the country. Um, so I think it's, like I said, it's it's definitely not, like if you made this movie today, obviously it would be told uh, 180 degrees different than, than what it is what it is here. Um, but I think it's still a very well-told story. Yeah, I do love the world building of that. And Scott was like, Robin Williams is it, and everything, or that made us but everything else, like I didn't, couldn't really care about, and I'm the complete opposite. I, I think the characters around them are so dynamic and have something different to offer to say about the immigrant experience we get. You know, um, the person who really wanted to immigrate and wasn't able to make it, and that person gets stuck in that that idea, um, which honestly is probably my favorite performance in the movie. Elliot Baskin is just like heartbreaking and him in the window, like trying to like have some sort of like gray, you made it, but like this should have been me. And that, that, that look through the window just like tears me apart. It's that I'm also just like obsessed with sad clowns. It's just a constant <laughs> thing I always will love. Um, but then you, you get Marie Cachino Alonso is um, bizarrely Italian for no reason. She's yeah, I was going to say, they had to Italian. She's, she's put a lot of pepperoni on that accent, too. It's like I'm no purpose Italian. to make her Italian instead of just a Spanish or Venezuelan, whoever she is, yeah. I kind of get it, because they didn't want her to have such a dramatic immigration. If she was from Cuba, like where she was born, her story would be a lot more impactful. Like they showed the lawyer's thing. They just wanted yeah. to kind of be more like, I came with my my uncle and I'm trying to be a star. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of get that, but... um. I I think that's very dynamic. I love there's like no white American characters throughout this whole movie. And I think there is some equating of the like immigrant experience to the black experience in America. Even when like they show the news footage of, of America, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna be there. It's like a rebellion um in the streets by black by the black people. And I think there's a lot of saying like they are still have the struggle of you know, being unwilling immigrants uh, to go through. And that's why you, the, the equation of the family he lives with is like the same family dynamics of what he came from back yeah. in Russia, which is also a very good, interesting thing as well. And, and I think there's such smart world building around him. I, I was going to say, I don't, I didn't think that they engaged quite enough with his friendship with the, the, with Lionel, um, I believe is his name, except for, yeah, the juxtaposition of the families was like the one thing that clearly comes across like that's the the closest thing that he finds to the family unit that he's used to back home but i did think at least for, in my opinion they could have done more with that and, and um you know sort of drawing parallels between how they are both outsiders in their own way i think too uh zach brought up something my, my one issue with the movie and it wasn't that bad but when the, the point at when he actually when he decides to defect to me felt kind of forced because up till that point, it's like, he's like, you know, his friend is the one who wants to do. He's like, no, no, this is a mistake. I'm content where we're at. Let's, you know, let's, let's stay safe. You know, let's not rock the boat. And then he just gets that one look at his friend and all of a sudden he's like, okay, I'm defected. I'm changing my entire life on a whim. That was the one weak part of the plot for me. I don't know if anybody else like maybe saw, saw something there. I didn't, but it felt like it, that just felt like, He's probably going to do it now. There's, there's real no motivation for it. I will say that's why the like 55 minutes in Russia is important because it does build up without him ever having to explicitly say, I'm unhappy. You get to live in his experience and kind of understand, you know, his 
grandpa kind of being constantly looked over by the Russian government and being oppressed and can't, and can't be there. His friend, you know, constantly getting oppressed. He can't really live his love life the way he wants to. And that's once again, it's juxtaposed with everything it's experience in America is that now he can like play the music he wants to. And, he, and that's why their romantic interest is so important because he gets to, to love freely with her here and like the woman that was back in Russia. So I, I, I do, he never, he, I mean, he was scared, so he never says it clearly, but you definitely feel his sadness and depression um, during those scenes. And, well, and I kept wondering if it was because of because of his family that we spent so much time with that that was one of the reasons he didn't want it to affect because he was like not only going to you know miss them or whatever, but he was afraid for them. Like when he when he actually was in America and he got that letter, I thought it was gonna be like some kind of bad news, like something like they had been taking revenge on his family or something because of his defection, like caused some kind of consequences on them. But I'm glad that didn't happen, obviously. But I was wondering if that was one of the reasons he was so hesitant to defect. Um. Uh, go ahead, Bo, if you have some. Yeah, uh, one thing I want to touch on that I think is interesting, we brought up how this is a more dramatic role for Williams, and I was looking at this, because, you know, Kirk brought up Garp, and then I was thinking, well, what really, besides Mork and Mindy, did Williams do before this? This was only his fourth actual movie. Like, he did Popeye, World According to Garp, The Survivors, and then this. So I think this is a really, like, bold choice to make your fourth movie when you haven't even really established yourself as a comedy star. You know, like, Tom Hanks took, like, ten years of making movies before he delved into the dramatic stuff, and then, of course, he was better at that, but I, I think that it's very interesting. Well, it was going to be a topic that I was going to bring up because I think it's interesting when you think of a comedic actor because, like, the general public, when they see a Robin Williams movie, they want Dance Monkey Dance. Like, they 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 assume that he's going to be Doubtfire, this funny guy. So when he does this, I think it, it, it happened with Sandler with Uncut Gems. When people go see a Sandler movie or a Williams movie, they want jokes, and when it doesn't hit for them, the general public's normally a little turned off by that performance because they are expected to Jim Carrey's and stuff like that to keep the humor going so it's like an unfair expo you know for the mm -hmm. actor or the movie that gets into it for a general pop that's why i think like this movie may be underseen by a lot of the pop because it didn't it doesn't have but it was early on in his career so it doesn't have that but even when you go back to it it still doesn't have like that so i think that's interesting when I, a comedic actor does and this is also movie. imagine if sandler did like uncut gems or punch drunk love like in like the wedding singer era, like you know, not later in his career. That's I think what's really the interest, or even like the same year as like a Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison, because that was early. This yeah. is before I, he was really a superstar. Robin Williams was never that kind of comedy actor. This is what he was always interested in. His career, if we think of his ten most popular movies, are all comedic dramas. We can't think of super broad comedies outside of animation where he's doing his bit. I think we just conflate his stand-up persona, and he definitely implements that into um, a lot of the movies like Good Night or Good Night, Good Morning Vietnam. Uh, it'd be funny if he was doing that right with his bedtime. Um, Good Morning <laughs> Vietnam at, <laughs> and Dead Poet Society that he gets his, like, he gets to speak fast and do impressions, but it's still heavily grounded in reality and, and drama. Um, I mean, he has much I mean, more movies that we can say this up with than other things. I did, I did want to say the one thing I like really pinpointed and noticed what makes him such a strong dramatic actor is his greatest weapon is his smile. His smile can send 50 
50 different messages. It can yeah. be charming and happy. It can show that like kind of melancholy um, throughout this. And it, it's just a very important use of his, his mouth. The combination of it, the way his eyes work with his smile, I think is. Yeah, going, think going, maybe, back, going okay. back to his acting too. I, I didn't know this while I was watching the movie, Kathy was Googling him. Uh, he went to Juilliard. And like mm-hmm. he was like in like a special program in Juilliard, like an advanced program. So I kind of think this is what he always wanted. Like this was his plan. Like I mean, the stand-up was you know he he got you know big off of stand-up too, um, but it wasn't like he wasn't like a Sandler who was a comedian who down the road transition transition to drama. Like this was this is what he was going to do all you know all along. I'm looking really at his filmography, Kirk, and it almost really looks like the opposite. Like he started out kind of doing these dramedies or even straight dramas. And then he kind of like in the nineties was really when he started to transition into more of the straight up comedies like your Mrs. Doubtfires, your toys. Mrs. Your Doubtfire is half a shit up comedy. It's very dramatic, and you still give a little. I think it's fair oh, okay. to call Mrs. <laughs> That's a comedy. That's a comedy. The man it's literally is. It's it's it's, it's a dramatic. Uh, there's dramatic, dramatic situation that goes through it's his life, like, yeah. but that is braced in comedy throughout and through. But I think that's an interesting. Pokemon you brought up is where it was like his I think his stand-up is what made it tie into him being the funny guy and maybe he did want to be more of a dramatic actor but got put into these things because he was so good at what he was so who knows um, but his also his public persona was much more the yeah. stand-up comic comedy than it was the dramatic actor yeah because his background is not even just stand-up he's doing all those comic relief things and all yeah he was yeah. all into that. but even when you saw him do an interview he was always on oh you know, yeah he's always doing the yeah. the Robin Williams bit I think he probably wanted a career probably more similar, not in the same vein, but John Travolta. You know, someone who started as a goofy TV comedy guy and then was kind of able to, you know, go more into these more dramatic type things. Obviously, a better career than John Travolta, but still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so thank you for bringing it. Uh, Zach, what's your rating on Moscow on the Hudson? What is this out of five? Four, okay, four point five. Uh, letterbox. What's your letterbox? Four point five out of five. Okay, uh, Scott. I gave it three stars. There's definitely good stuff in the second half. Just, um, yeah, a little bit of filler in there too. Um, Brian, three and a half. Okay, Kirk, three and a half. Okay, Br- uh, Bowman. I'm an original. Three and a half. Okay. Um, and I went from three and a half to four. I uh, I really enjoyed it on the second viewing. Um, I did the exact had, opposite. You had it at four. And said, I, I looked at that prior, but that works. Um, but, you know, I, again, I'm glad you brought it up. I kind of dreaded when you brought it up because I was like, didn't really love this movie the first time, but it turned out it was the surprise of the week for me. Um, okay. Uh, girlfriends. Tell us about it, Scott. Yeah, so this is it was not a first time watch for me, but I had my first time watching this movie this year in February. Um, I don't even remember exactly how I came across it, but um, I saw people referring to this as like a 70s version of Francis Ha, um, which obviously, as people know, is one of my favorite movies. Um, And so I knew I had to check it out. Loved it on the first watch. Have been thinking about it ever since watching it. Uh, have been thinking about watching it again ever since seeing it for the first time. Um, and so I wanted to bring it here because I know, obviously, there's some people on this call who have different thoughts about Francis Ha, but a lot of people in the community love that movie. 
Um, and so I felt like this would be an interesting one to introduce people to. Um, it is eerily similar to Francis Ha in like some of the plot beats and the themes of the movie, like so much so that you know Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach like had to be inspired by this movie heavily when they did made Francis Ha. But yeah, it's basically about a woman in her 20s in New York City who um, is living with her close friend. Um, her close friend moves out because she's going to get married. Um, and it, you know, ends up being about this, the, the main character, Susan, Melanie Myron play, plays her, um, and sort of her, um, trying to figure out how to go on, on her own, um, living on her own, um, getting, you know, pursuing her art. She likes, she's a photographer. She wants to be a photographer, um, and just making her way in, you know, the chaotic place it is New York city. I absolutely love the film. Um, both times I've watched it now, um, I think it's really, really perceptive about this time in someone's life. And in particular, I really love how it affirms um, that being alone, it's okay to be alone at this time in your life. And and it can be strangely powerful to, to be alone because, you know, again, you think of, oh, the traditional um, notion of success, right, is what her friend achieves in this movie, right? She, she, you know, moves out, she gets married, she has a child. Um, but by the end of the movie, we realize that, um, you know, she actually is envious of Susan's life in a lot of ways. Susan being the one who, again, does not necessarily have these traditional markers of success. She's struggling to get by. She's struggling with her job. She's struggling in her love life, but she has that, that, solitude that she can come home to every night and, and close the door and she begins although initially she can't really understand how to deal with that like she invites this other person in um she eventually learns to like appreciate the the power that that can have and um you know again the movie ends up in a, a place i think it pretty similar to francis ha actually again where um they like have had this moment of coming together again and um her friend is like yeah kind, again kind of envious of her lifestyle and they're able to sort of make up but at the end and at the end of the movie it's not like we're ever going to go back to ever to how it was it's like we have learned to appreciate each other's lifestyles and who the other person is and the fact that now that we're older we're just not going to be in each other's lives the way that we once were and that's okay um so it has a lot of truth in there again for me at the point where i am in my life i've been living on my own for several years now and i have learned to really appreciate a lot of things about it it just hit home for me at the right time um so i'm interested to know what other people thought of it because um i think it, it definitely paved the way for um, a lot of movies that i love listen i don't want to yuck your yum like at all like listen i was sitting there the entire time to figure out what this movie rem reminded me of and why and as soon as you said those two words francis yeah. ha like a everything in my world just got unlocked and i i tried with that movie a lot of people told me i wouldn't like it they were correct um this movie i'm struggling to get she the character at times struggling i was struggling the runtime is very short but i felt like this movie could have been it felt so much longer for me like i couldn't connect to any of the characters i couldn't connect to the story i didn't i 
I just, it was a rough, rough for me. And I don't want to yuck anybody. Like if you liked it, go for it. I'm not going to talk much on girlfriends today, but I went in there with the best of intentions and I came out not feeling great overall. Um, I'll open the floor. If you guys liked it, talk, if you didn't, if you feel like me and you want to butt out early, let me know if you don't enjoy the conversation. Obviously. I'm going to take that invitation. I'm not shocked. No, and, and like you, you know, I'm not going to have a lot to say on it, and I, I would like to, you know, kind of get out of the way and let people enjoy it. I'm going to talk about it. Um, I can see the comparisons to Francis Ha, which I, I did not love. Um, I thought it was kind of boring, but that's just my thing. But, but I will say, I thought Francis Ha, though, you know, with, especially with Greta Gerwig, you had a lot more personality, and I like the characters in that one a lot more. This one, not so much. Um, it definitely felt like the longest movie I watched this week, even though it was one of the shortest. Um. The weird thing is, as far as identifying the characters, <laughs> I I come at this looking at it from the side of of her friend who <laughs> got married because, like, I know when I got married and when I had kids, like, all my friends, like, you know, kind of felt like abandoned, like, oh, you don't have as much time for me anymore and we can't do these things anymore and you have all these other commitments and, you know, I'm, I'm here, like, I'm working, I got, you know, two small kids, whatever. And so I kind of was looking at the story from the other side of that as far as my personal life. And so that was a little uh, kind of the opposite of where you're really supposed to be watching this movie from. Well, um, no, no, I think that I think that is definitely part of it. Sorry if I can interject. I, I definitely think that is part of it. Again, I, I, yeah. I don't mean to suggest that there is a necessarily a right side or wrong side. Oh, in all I wouldn't of this. say that's right or wrong. It's yeah, it's just that, you know, again, you think of the the person that you're describing, the person that you are as being mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the traditional markers of success. Yeah. You don't think of the main character in that way. And so the fact that they kind of go out of their way to show, well, actually, this lifestyle has its its own perks, too. And, and you know, the, the friend is is in some ways envious of that, too. But, you know, yes, obviously, the other side of it is what you're saying about. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, I, I did identify with and, and uh, kind of appreciated some parts of the movie based on that. Um, I don't know. I just I the, the, the main character I kind of would never really get into. I found her a little bit annoying. I think the relationship with the rabbi was creepy. I mean, even if she's of age, it's still creepy as hell with what's going on with that thing. Um, even though I, I do like seeing Eli Wallach pop up, pop up, though. I don't get to see him a lot of stuff, so I like watching him pop up and stuff. Um, and then the tone of the movie I thought was a little bit strange. It's like a drama. It's like, I mean, there's lots of things with drama. Like just Moscow and the Hudson we were talking about. It's kind of a drama and a comedy together. And this kind of had that same thing, but even like within a scene, like the one that jumped to mind is like, you know, towards the end where she's talking with her friend and she's like, I had an abortion this morning. So how was your show? And I'm like, this is just this is a weird, like sudden transition. It's like, you know, you want to skip over that abortion thing. And it's, it's just a little weird to me, but um, yeah, I mean, I didn't hate the movie, but this is as no surprise to anyone. It's just one that wasn't for me. And now I will let people, other people talk. <laughs> Anyway, guys. I I enjoyed the movie. Um, I'm I'm a big Francis Ha fan, so again, I think your mileage is going to be pretty much the same there. Um, yeah, I, I I like just the idea of this character struggling with being lonely, but also wanting to be alone. I thought that was just a really cool dynamic, where you know she's struggling with you know just being on her own and figure things out. Um, and she needs other people, and she recognizes that. But also at her core, she just at this point in her life doesn't want you know, doesn't want that burden, wants to be on her and do her own thing. Um, and she has, you know, relationships she goes in and out of, but you could tell she, her main thing is being alone. And like Scott said, I like the fact that there's no like right answer as to how 
you know, you you live your life. And that, that's I mean, that, my, that's my thing. It's like I got married young. Uh, I have friends my age who are still single. Brag. And it's like, <laughs> but it's like, no, it's like they, we, we both made the right choices for ourselves. You know, if I would have done what they did, I'd be miserable. If they had done what I did, they'd be miserable. You know, everybody's different. Everybody's life choices should be different. There's no right, right way to live your life. And I like how this movie shows that the, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs of, of both ways of it. Um, as far as the character goes, I really liked her. Like, I just thought she was a very unique, I liked that really like, you know, that, that seven, that young seventies Jewish New Yorker thing really worked for me. Um, I thought she was just like again, like Frances Ha, Greta Gerwig. That movie, she's just very magnetic. Even when things aren't going great for her, she still seems to have like that energy and that positivity uh, that she keeps going and like makes you want to keep watching. So I really enjoyed her. Um, I like the comedy. I, I liked how it was just like little things dropped in. Like when she, the the scene I remember is when at, towards the end when she's uh, planning her uh, her gallery expo, and she's talking to the owner of the gallery and her assistant. They're both in neck braces. They just have like both have like comically large neck braces on, and they never address it. Yeah, they never talk about it, and I, that that was hilarious. To me. <laughs> just little things like that throughout the movie. Um, so I I like the style of it too. So I thought I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, um, I as far as Sorry. Uh, yeah, I actually like this more than Frances Ha because I think, for one, I just think the main actress is a better actress than Greta Gerwig. I think Greta Gerwig wow. struggles sometimes. Take him out. Take him out. I, you know, <laughs> I, I think no, she can be You're very good. I think she struggles. I think you can always kind of tell that's she's... a crazy statement. Crazy. <laughs> I I don't think that's a crazy statement to make. I don't. No, I, I just think that you think this girl, this girl in the main thing, is a great actress because I think they're they could both be on the same line. Personally, it's a crazy I, statement I to make better. in front of me and Scott. <laughs> yeah, I I think she's better. I think that, I'm glad you like. Yeah, uh, I but I I like Frances Ha a lot, a lot, a lot. But I think that the main, I think this main character just fits a little bit more into my vibe and what I like for characters, which I know is a lot of things that people find annoying. But I really like this main character. Uh, and I think that, you know, to kind of address that you like watching, I don't think, I think the movie thinks it's creepy. I think the movie thinks that the dynamic is creepy, and that's why it ends up going the way that it does. Uh, but I also think Eli Wallach's great. The person who I want to shout out, though, that's not even really that big of a part. But uh, Bob Balaban is one of those guys say that. who just makes every movie better. He just he just makes every movie better. He plays uh, Susan's husband, and he's... I, I just really like him, and I love the little moments where, like, she does not like me. Like, I, I think Babylon's just one of those guys who... Just improves every movie for me. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think to kind of piggyback off what Kirk was saying, I think that this movie is essentially about how there's satisfaction and dissatisfaction in all walks of life. And that's kind of the point, is that both of them are happy, simultaneously happy and unhappy. And I think that's... It's kind of about the contradictions of... Whichever life you choose, that there's going to be things, like like Kirk said, you want to be alone, but you don't want to be alone. And I think that's very interesting. And in Susan's case, she wants to be with someone, but does she really? Like, it's, in both cases, it's just filled with contradictions. 
Uh, yeah, I, I I really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, this was very up my alley. So thank you, Scott. Um, I think it, I viewed it much more about the dissatisfaction. I feel like there's a very, like, grass is always greener on the other side. And it's where you need to accept your own own path and be happy with where your life is going because then you have Anne who went the life of marriage but then she's just constantly that, that upset she can't be the artist she's she's she can't you know, write, jealous yeah. she's jealous of what Susan's able to, to, to do and that's her kind of breakdown you know near the end of the movie and then you have Susan still also you know not fully satisfied with her career and her love life and that's I think her going with the rabbi is kind of a rebellion it's just like you know you're gonna get married I'm just gonna like show my youth in your face and like fuck around and do crazy things. Um, but, but still kind of, it's not really jealous of her marriage, but jealous of, of, you know, her being taken away from her. That was like her marriage in her mind. Um, and so that inability to adjust and evolve and do kind of, kind of get over it. And moves about like evolutions of friendships always hit me real strong. Yeah. I was very much lived my best life in college and it was a really hard time for me to, they kind of get over how those friendships evolved and changed and they were all going to be the same that they were at that point. And that's what the movie is. It starts off in the prime of their friendship and it was, it, it is inevitable that it can't stay the same. Um, and that's the big thing with, you know, through life. Um, nothing could stay the same. Everything evolves and we just, ha instead of being dissatisfied and upset and looking at what other people have that we don't have, we just need to accept the road that it goes. Um, as far as the I'm going to point out Christopher Guest, I think, is so funny. Mainly, is like the most I laughed at anything on any of these movies is him just saying, do you want to dance? And like a little jig. It is, it is him putting a little bit of Christopher Guestisms into it. Don't you love like the men are all football watching pigs uh, element of the movie, right? Which is, you know, she goes to uh, to Eli Wallach's house to go out to lunch with him. But then, no, he's all of a sudden he got tickets to the football game. And then later she wants to go to Ann's house with Christopher Guest. And he's like, no, actually, I want to watch this football game instead. I just like it. Weird, weird uh, vendetta against football in this movie. But you know what? Fair enough. To go back to something to the Christopher Guest scene, and I think this is a through line throughout the whole movie. I love all the interactions where somebody asks the main character something, and they say, you know, in that specific Christopher Guest action, like, "Do you want to go home? No. You want to? You want to go to your house? Yes. Like just those. Again, I think this is a movie that lives in contradiction." where characters will say no to something that they really want to do, and then they'll do it later. And I think that's that's an interesting dynamic in this movie. Well, I think I that was fighting I... against her being like more of a progressive female and the world yeah. around her not being ready. And that was the way for Christopher Guest's character to kind of take the power back to like, I'm going to say no, knowing I'm going to ask you the same thing because it should come from me. And that's how the dynamics work. Well, that's one of, one of the other parts of our arc, I think, is that in the first part of the movie she's kind of just like letting life happen to her um but then you know when Anne moves out when she's on her own it's like no actually you have to have some sort of active role in doing what you want like in getting what you ultimately want if you're going to do that so like she has to go to the the one photographer's office and like basically sort of negotiate her way back there into his office um so that you know she can talk she can eventually find the person who helps her out and she has to actually be the person who says you know what to the to the other roommate that that happens she has to be like you know what 
I don't, this isn't working out. I need you to move out right now. Like she takes the active role there. And then, at, you know, again, at the end with Christopher Guest, like just really wants her to move in. And she's like, you know what? No, I don't, I want to keep my own place. Like I like having my own place. I, you know, it's important to me that I, I have this, you know, yeah. kind of safe haven for me. So it's also about like, again, she's, you know, it's, it's a coming of age movie in a way. It's also about like adulting, and having to make your own decisions for yourself um, so that, you know, you can achieve something close to the life that you want. Because it's not just going to be dropped in your lap. It's not just going to happen to you. Um, you have to go out and seize it. Yeah. And, and the new roommate was another way of her just, like, refusing to move on. She's like, I'm just going to reduplicate this. I'm going to get a new yeah. hand and get her in there. And then her having to take the power that it's not going to be the same. I have to make changes. Yeah, it's a big part yeah. of that. Also, it's one point you talked about some of the great lines, and I think it's so smartly written. Um, and I, and I, I wonder if we lived in a world where the seventies was a little more progressive. That Claudio Wheels, because the movie that I thought about other than Francis Ha was Annie Hall a lot, and I was like, Claudio Wheels like could have been a, a Woody Allen type if it was a different mm. world at that point. And women writers and directors got more work. Yeah. Okay. Um, seems like we have you guys loved it. I'm excited for you. Um, we're gonna go to Scott first. What's your rating? It's five stars. I absolutely love this movie. It's gonna be in my top 100. We'll go positive round. Uh, Bogan, what's your rating? Four and a half. Kirk, probably let it a four for me. Zach, nine out of ten. Four and a half. Uh, one and a half. Um, uh, Brian, for me, yeah, one and a half. <laughs> yeah, one half, half star. Francis saw was a half star better, just for anybody keeping track at home. Because <laughs> uh, Greta Gerg's a great actress, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever you want to say, I think both of these could be lost in time. Um, okay. Uh, all right, so we are going to the middle of the show, we are going to Dave. Made a maze. Uh, Brian, tell us about it. Yeah, so Dave Made a Maze is a little film came out in 2017, um, starring really no actress you really know, except we had Nick Thune, uh, apparently a stand comedian. I've never seen him um, in the lead role of Dave. Um, it's got uh, the bass player from OK Go plays his friend Gordon, <laughs> and then a bunch of actors and actresses. You don't know. Um, this is a movie that I, I don't even know if it got a theatrical release. If it did, it obviously didn't appear anywhere near me, but I had heard about it and I, somebody recommended I check it out and I did. And I just loved everything for how completely original it was. This is basically, this movie is basically like the world's coolest art installation that I would love to walk through. If this was set up as a museum or something, this would be so much fun to walk through. It's it, uh, for anyone out there who has not seen the movie, uh, which is most of you, um, Basically, this guy builds like this little cardboard box, like fort or whatever maze in in his in his apartment building, um, and then he gets lost inside it. And so his his girlfriend and his friends decide to go in, go in, and you know try and help find him. Uh, of course, once you get inside, as he says, it looks much bigger on the inside. And this whole gigantic, you know, a maze or as they call it, it's not a maze, it's a labyrinth uh, inside this world. And it's like every single room is like just some different. Um, take on like this labyrinth but everything in it is made of of cardboard everything in it is made of uh 
uh, paper construction. And it's just, it's just the coolest looking art thing. I mean, even when, when things get attacked, there's like, you know, little origami birds. Um, the blood is all made of like confetti or silly string. Um, so, I mean, it's obviously not meant to be taken seriously. It's just a comedy. It's supposed to be surreal. It's supposed to be, you know, just something very different. And on that level, I think it is 100% success. Um, it is the most unique movie I have seen in a long time. It is super creative. Um, it's even just room to room. I mean, they have like one room. It's all about like forced perspective, you know, or the, where people are walking around the room. You can see like there's like a little cup up here and a big chair back there. And it's, it's really cool. At one point, they are all turned into paper bag puppets, which I have not seen since I was a kid. So that was kind of cool to remind me of that. Um yeah, this is just a movie I was I was I wanted to bring it here and let people watch it because I wanted to bring something different. You know, I I done the whole, you know, here's some old 80s 90s movies that I love that you guys haven't seen. I've done that many times. So this time I wanted to bring something that's a newer and b just very different and I'm very curious to see how you are all going to react to this movie. So I think this to, to do a blanket statement. I think this is where like concept versus quality of film is like where the bars <laughs> line, right? Cuz if you want to talk about like one of the most unique movies I've seen, probably this one's going to be up there because I've never seen a movie like this, the way they take it, everything else. But the world they create, I hate. I I hate when you said that person was a sta- like a comedian, like a comedian, I said that dude's funny because in this movie, I've never seen him, so I can't attempt yeah, to that. Yeah, but I was like, this movie, you can't tell he's funny. I think all the cast, like everybody, I hated every person in this movie, like the in the cast role. Like in the world created, awesome. Like that's great. I just maybe wish it was in better hands, like of like casting and more budget. I don't know. But like there, I was just like, <laughs> I just I feel like the movie would have been ruined if it went big budget. Right. You 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 are a hundred percent correct. Yeah, I think that it. is true, yeah. but I also like couldn't get it out of my head. Like when the girlfriend shows up and they're all the cardboard, my ass is kicking that thing over in about three seconds. Like you are a grown ass man, get out of the boxes, you child. And she's like, "Oh, okay, I'll listen to you." And then everybody comes over. And they're like, "Just call your friends." Like. That woman's leaving this relationship in a <laughs> second. There's no way she stays. So that's where it's just like, that's where the ridiculousness is and it just keeps going. But again, when they're in that world and what they create is interesting. It's just the people telling me the story I couldn't stand. So overall, like thoughts, did anybody see this movie prior? I'm just curious. Okay, everybody first watch. Okay, go ahead. Bro. The thing that this movie really reminded me of is and I don't know if anybody's seen the show, so this might mean nothing. But this reminded me of one of those high concept episodes of Community, like the paintball episodes, or you know, one of those, one of those episodes where you put these characters in a situation where there's stakes, but it's clearly goofy, and there's supposed to be a lot of fun. And I think the main difference for me, and I, the whole time I was asking myself. I should love this. Why am I not loving it? And I realized, for me, it's the characters. I don't really care about these characters all that much. So I don't really care about what's actually going on, the comedic aspects or the stakes of the story, which they are, of course, farcical. So the, the stakes aren't really all that there. And that's okay. But again, I just I don't think these characters, none of the characters are bad. Per se, but they're not 
developed enough to where I really care about them, and I just don't think that makes the humor or the comedy work. Uh, I, I will say, I, I got really excited when the guy from OK Go showed up, <laughs> uh, which is actually funny that he's in this, because if you're familiar with OK Go, their main thing is like these really inventive, creative music videos. I was going to say the same thing. This is, yeah, the yeah. most OK Go music video-ass movie. So. Yeah, it feels very similar to that. And the other thing I was thinking about is that this movie actually feels very similar to Dave's Maze itself. It is unbridled creativity, just complete uncontrolled creativity that maybe should have been reined in a little bit and wasn't exactly thoroughly thought through. But at the same time, it's hard not to admire the things that it was able to accomplish with such, you know, low budget and low materials. Yeah. Right. Um, the thing about OK Go music videos is that most of them are four or five minutes long. <laughs> um, and when you stretch it out to a feature length film, it uh, it starts to feel a little thin. And that's definitely how I I felt about this thin in a lot of departments. It did honestly just feel like a a stunt movie. Like, let's see if we can pull this off. Not really going to give much thought to the story or characters. Um, I'm not somebody who gravitates toward fantasy stuff anyway. Um, even something like as big and, you know, epic as Lord of the Rings, I have never gotten into. So when you strip it down like this and it's like, oh, it's a cardboard minotaur or whatever. And, oh, you know, like you said, it's there, uh, you know, I can't think of what it is, but the blood is instead of blood, it's, you know, like streamers or whatever that's coming out of that. Um, it's it's a brand of quirky that is just not for me. Um, it is like kind of I don't know if twee is quite the right word, but it does kind of have that feel to it a little bit. But um, yeah, I didn't really find it that funny. Um, it is creative, sure, and I I appreciate that element of it. I suppose like it would have would have been much worse if it was also not creative in the you know concept and execution of that, but. Um, it just doesn't really go any deeper to me than, you know, that it was an interesting experiment. Um, I think they just didn't really have enough there for a feature film. That's probably one of the reasons it clocks out at 75 minutes or whatever without the, the credits. Although I guess we're going to talk about another 70-something minute movie in a second that has a, a ridiculous amount of stuff in it. But um, the, the opposite. But um, yeah, just just not really my sort of thing. I mean... You know, I like to think I can be open-minded about all this stuff. Zach, I believe, said that I was going to hate this after he watched it. He's, he told me that he thought I was going to hate it. I <laughs> I didn't hate it, but it's just, it's not for me. And I liked it quite a bit. I I had a lot of fun with it. I think just enjoying it purely as a um, creative experiment. Um, and I think, you know, I have plenty of Legos in the back and I'm a Lego builder. So I am attracted to the idea of child's play being advanced upon as an adult and these are like some like kid ideas and crafts and making your own house and like but we can really like make fucking awesome shit and make a movie about it um 
as we're adults and have more resources at our hands. Um, and and I, I think this is like top tier level production design for people with no money. I, they did amazing things for their to do. I, it is thin, and I think it would have benefited by accepting its thinness more. I think trying to force some dramatic subplot and, and of him yeah. feeling lost and, and their romance being lost, it, it didn't really matter to the movie, and it was very half-baked. I think if they just accepted it, this guy getting lost in the maze and we're just going to have it be an adventure and a comedy, it would benefit more. You don't need to have you know, stakes and trauma. I think that's yeah, they've got to put in this whole metaphor of how you know he's never finished anything. Yeah. That's like the maze he's lost, he can't find the way out. And it's a, but it's like, like you said, I, I think I just most people, including myself, just enjoyed it as just what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm more, I'm more on like Zach's page, I think Brian here. I liked it. Um, first of all, I love the fact that it was basically like, hey, we have no money, let's we want to make a fantasy, uh, a fantasy movie. How do we do it? Let's make literally everything out of cardboard. And they I didn't pay for any of the cardboard. They got there's some, some lighting company near them. They let them have all their cardboard for free. And they used it all. And they would just make like two rooms at a time. And then when they were done, they put it all right back in the recycle bin to make sure it got recycled. <laughs> See, that's awesome. I, I just love that. Just that's like such a, a great use of a low, creative use of a low budget and kind of using the, the, the budget to your advantage. Um, I really liked it. I love the, the labyrinth. And I think that was the thing. I didn't mind. I mean, the characters were there. They were, you know, I thought they were at least mildly entertaining, but it wasn't about them. It was about the labyrinth. It was about the creativity there. And it was about him, you know, like I think Brian just said, you know, the the metaphor of him, you know, completing something and finishing something. I kind of like the fact that there wasn't too much focus on the characters. Like, Cody, you brought up the relationship and the girlfriend. When it first started, I'm like... Oh, this is just going to be about him and the girlfriend's upset because he's a loser and he has to prove himself to the girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. That's going to be the whole movie. And it wasn't like I was very surprised by the fact that she basically kind of sticks by him through the whole thing. It's like kind of like believes in what he's doing. And I, I, I like Which that. She's dumb. The um, it's well, I mean, you know, it's not real life here. What we're dealing with It's kind of like a surreal situation. <laughs> you don't you don't think that some women come home to their husbands and they're playing in uh, like the in boxes? Yeah, you know, I'm telling yeah. you, they're the, those women are in the movie. They're not yeah. in the movie though. But um, no, she. But I, I like, like there is one scene towards the end that that bogs me down where that bogged it down for me like like there's a scene between the two of them and they keep like changing form that and loop, represents yeah, what we're talking yeah. about and i'm like that that's that's what i was worried the whole movie was going to be about and the fa- that that was my least favorite scene in the movie i will agree with that and 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 i think and I, I think the fact that it was about like okay we're not going to bog it down with their interpersonal relationships the problems and the maze solving all their problems for them it's just about the labyrinth and all the cool stuff in the labyrinth i love the design i love you know the the, the look of the minotaur i love how he had the cardboard hand i thought that looked so cool um just the different looks because that's the thing, like, it's a cardboard maze, but everywhere they went looks so different and so unique where it never got boring or dull. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm I, very um, thumbs up on this movie. I, my um, familiarity with Nick Thune came mainly from Comedy Bang Bang, which he's appeared on a number of times. And I know James Urbaniak's kind of connected, to, who plays the uh, documentarian, to that kind of community a little bit. And I think it just... It opened me. I, I'm very familiar with that, like the LA comedy scene and the like groundlings and UCB and stuff. And I don't think any of them were really UCB people, um, but it just like reeked of that kind of energy for me, which I just find kind of endlessly fun. That kind of just playing off each other and everybody's own creative, goofy ideas coming into play. Um, 
like I, I could easily see Scott Ackerman being a part of this movie. It seems like something they would just make. It's very like web series elements to it too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I overall I think I again you were like the labyrinth, but it's like all these people that are in this stuff. I just don't care what happens to them, and I know if it's cool, just what happens with the labyrinth. But they're like making me. That's because you hate people. Believe. I mean, true. I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the human <laughs> race, but um, I, and and this movie didn't help with it. Honestly, like these these idiots decided to get into boxes created by this guy that never finishes anything. Sounds like a terrible idea, but he's in there. So, but if anything, like of movies like this, like I don't love, but overall, like it's interesting to see what they were able to create with such little budget. And it kept my attention the entire time. Like at the end of the day, like no, no offense to girlfriends that lost my attention throughout this movie. It was ridiculous and stupid. But I wasn't like checking. I was like, "What the? What else are we gonna fucking do in this movie? Let's see something else." Like, cool. Um, there of course is a Minotaur in this movie. Why wouldn't there be one? Um, so yeah, I think it was a, him uh, all along. Long, yeah, cool, <laughs> interesting. All right, Brian, what's your score on Dave? Get, Dave built four stars. Four stars. Okay, uh, Kirk. I'll get a roll solid three and a half. Um, Bowman. I'm going back and forth between three, three and a half. For right now, I'm going to say three. Okay. Uh, Zach. Three and a half. Seven out of ten. Okay. I knew, I knew you were just going to throw the seven out of ten out there. Um, uh, Scott. Two stars. It's just not my sort of thing. Um, and I'm giving it two and a half. It's... it's it is what it is. I'm, I'm glad I saw it. I don't think I will revisit it. Um, that's two of those movies I won't revisit. Uh, next up, Primer. Kirk, why did you bring Primer? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's interesting. Um, I'd never seen Dave Made a Maze before. Um, when I had no idea what it was when I picked this. But there seemed to be a lot of similarities between those two movies where it's just super low budget. And it's about a young guy who just makes something or young people who just make something that's really weird and kind of fancy, you know, off the wall and you just kind of have the movie just says, yeah, this exists, deal with it. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting, but no, I wanted to watch primer cause I've been wondering, I haven't seen it in a while and I wanted to rewatch it. And it's a movie that you have to, you know, watch multiple times. Um, it just begs you to do that cause of, uh, you know, it just throws so much at you. And, um, if you know anything about me, one of my least favorite things in movies is exposition. Uh, I hate when movies spoon, spoon feed you, all the information you need to know uh, to keep up. Uh, and this movie does the exact opposite. It just throws you in the deep end and says, do what you can with it. Uh, it's about this um, group of initially four guys, but eventually it focuses on two. Uh, these four guys who do it, are working on a tech startup in their in their garage, in one guy's garage. Um, they're working on some kind of device. I don't even know what they're trying to do. Um, but uh, they accidentally invent a time machine. And it's a very bare bones time machine. Um, there's nothing like flashy Back to the Future to it. It's just this ugly box um, that, for some reason, uh, works where they, they they can they can travel back in time. Um, and again, I think that again going back to Dave Made a Maze is a very good use of you know, hey, we want to do a big sci-fi movie, a big sci-fi concept, uh, but we only have I think the budget on this movie was like seven thousand uh, dollars. How do we do that? 
And I think they they made awesome use of that just by making it so bare bones and so um, mundane. So anyway, these guys uh, discover uh, time travel and they start going back and their goal is, okay, we're going to day trade. We're going to, cause they can only, the, the box initially can only go back like six hours. Uh, so we're going to day trade. We're going to, at the end of the day, we're going to uh, call our, 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 our broker and see what the biggest stock of the day was. We're going to go back in time and um, we're going to, you know, invest in that and start making some money. So um, they start doing that, but it starts, you know, of course, you know, getting out of hand. Um, it's the, the two guys who, kind of own the business or the ones who, who, who uh, uh, take it over. They push the other two guys out and um, they start doing this, but then they kind of start working against each other. Uh, characters just start showing up. You're not sure, you know, what time they're from or what time frame or how they got back in time or forward in time. Um, so uh, it's just a really cool movie. Uh, uh, Scott alluded to this. There's a lot of techno babble. Um, they throw a ton of stuff at you that I, I, you know, if you know anything about science or physics, what they're saying may make sense to you. I have no idea. It's completely over my head, but I think the film is made in such a way where it's kept interesting. You know, the camera keeps moving, locations change. Uh, there's a lot of business going on visually uh, that keeps you engaged and keeps you interested. Um, and like I said, it's a movie where once you watch, you, you're like, okay, I got to go back and rewatch that again. Uh, there's a whole, whole lore. You know, if you go online, you can see, you know, if you, if, when you Google this, the first thing on the Wikipedia page is a graphic of the time machine and how it works. And, you know, it's a very interesting concept for the way time travel, if it was going to work in the real world, how it would. Um, so I think it's a really fun movie. Uh, it's very interesting uh, to watch. And again, like I said, I like the idea of, you know, having to keep up, having to go back and rewatch it, find new things. I love that kind of movie. It is very short. It's under 80 minutes. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why I brought it to the table. Um, so I'm going to open up to the field. Uh, if you said you hate exposition, I hate when I have to watch a movie multiple times to gather things, uh, which we can talk about more about this. Like that drives me absolutely nutty. Um, but I'll open it up because I always take the main field. Everybody overall, who's anybody see this movie prior to this? So thoughts on this, uh, the rewatch, I guess. Yeah. Uh, this was a movie that I saw like when I was like, 15 or 16 this was like when i was first really getting into movies and for those who don't know the movie that made me love movies was inception so for a while i was going more after like the big like puzzle movies movies that were a little bit more confusing and you know just had a lot going on and were a little bit more harder to figure out uh, and this was one that I remember really liking at the time and being like, I want to go back to this so I can figure it out. And I never did that. Uh, so now I finally got to do that. And I still had no idea how to figure out, probably because it had been so long uh, since I watched it. That being said, I, I like it. I liked it a little less than I did when I first saw it, but I do like it. I think the thing that I really like about this movie is how, like, naturalistic the dialogue feels i really like this dialogue of the characters kind of talking over each other and interrupting each other it's it's almost mumblecore but not to the point where it feels like obnoxiously mumblecore like a lot of mumblecore does um it's like if robert altman did mumblecore yes yes that's actually that's great actually i think that's a great uh analogy uh, but yeah, and I think, the, like you said, I really like the way this time travel works. And I like these two characters. Actually, I think these two characters make me care about. I like how, uh, you know, Aaron is more of like 
we need to go big with this. And Abe is, you know, much more like hold on. And I think that dynamic is very interesting. The one thing I will hit on this movie though, is that this is a 77 minute movie. It takes 25 minutes for the actual time travel to happen. That's about a third of a you know of the movie before you know the actual time travel happens and we're just doing the techno stuff. I think if this was like a two-hour movie, I'd be fine with that 20 minutes of stuff. In this movie, that's a problem that we're not getting off the ground that quickly. Yeah, I think it uh, well, it it does take you you know a while to get into it, which like Kirk said he likes when you, you throw them right into a world, they don't have to explain everything to you, which I like that in movies too. But usually when you're thrown into this world, like you're thrown into the middle and things are happening. Here you're thrown in and there's just people talking techno babble for half an hour. And you're just like, I I have no clue what's going on. I don't understand anything they're talking about. I don't know where this is going. Um, it, it is very slow. It felt far longer than its runtime. Um, I didn't I didn't dislike the movie necessarily. It just I know Kirk said this is the kind of movie that begs to be watched more than once, and I can totally see that. But having only watched this once, I can only evaluate it on my one-time viewing, which is that I'm fucking clueless. And I, I finished this movie and went straight to Wikipedia to try to figure out what happened in this movie. And the first thing I saw was a flowchart, and I'm like, I don't even care enough to watch it, read that flowchart. And I read right, right past it. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, I do respect its ambition, um, what they're trying to do. I, I like... Uh, the style of it, like you said, is kind of that very naturalistic thing, which, you know, was in late 90s, early 2000s was very much the style of independent films, whether it be this or Swingers or, you know, a lot of other movies. Even I know Boatman just recently watched In the Company of Men. It's kind of the same thing. It's just a lot of, a lot of dialogue heavy. It's kind of talky movie. But this is one that I think if I watched it again and understood more of it, I think I would appreciate it more. But having watched just once, I was largely confused. And I consider myself an intelligent person. And I love good time time travel or time loop movies. I'm a sucker for those things. But this is just one that just it kind of hurt my brain to watch. Um, two other things. <clears throat> one, um, I thought it was weird how they just kind of almost as an afterthought had this whole situation with uh, the gun and the party and that whole event that they were going to try to prevent or whatever it's like it seems like that would be a big deal and it's kind of it's kind of, well, kind of like an afterthought in the movie it it isn't the point that like that's the guy the one guy's plan the 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 director shane caruth whatever that's his whole his character i think that's aaron maybe he, he that the whole time is that's what he's trying to do is go back and multiple times redo this scenario so that he can be like the hero or whatever. Right, but right? the actual resolution that's, of what he does, they seem like it's just like a little like 30 second wrap up. You're like, oh, I guess well, you don't really know. You don't really that. know. That's the thing. They like yeah. leave you in the dark about how exactly did this go down? But the point is he kind of messed everything up because he kept going back to the start of this day to try and, you know, <sighs> do this multiple times. And, you know, it led to multiple, you know, the, them interacting in the phone calls and all that it's very complicated but and, uh, and the last thing i will say is just like i was talking earlier about nostalgia because of moscow hudson um seeing that uh weeble wobble just took me back like flashbacks to my childhood so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you, this you, you this movie took me like over two hours to watch despite being <laughs> 70 something minutes so i feel like i watched it twice just by watching it once because i was just going back over it to try and figure out i think like in general i agree with kirk that like too much exposition is a bad thing. 
But I think there's a needle that you have to thread sometimes. And, you know, Boatman brings up Inception. Inception's a movie that often gets dogged on for having clunky exposition. And, you know, Elliot Page saying, oh, uh, whose dream are we in now or whatever? Uh, Whose subconscious are we in now? Um, But my, my opinion on that and on like Tenet and other stuff has always been like, I mean, would you rather they not explain it to you? Because it's just not going to create a, a good experience, a good viewing experience. And at the end of the day, you are still making a movie for an audience to understand. And sometimes the movie gets it right. Sometimes it, you know, again, I don't feel like I should have to be watching the movie, taking two hours to watch the 70 something minute movie. Um, I think um, there has to be more of a, Pat and like again, I got I got to the end after watching it, and I do feel like I understood most of it. But it took a lot of effort to get there, and more importantly, when I did get to the end and I felt like I understood everything, I was like, I don't know that this was really worth the effort. Like I liked it overall because there is something satisfying, right, about putting that puzzle together, and when like you do finally understand, like okay, here's what this means, and the pieces are clicking together in your head. Um, like there is something satisfying about that and i don't like take that lightly but again when i do understand everything i'm like okay so like they kind of ruined their friendship over this time travel thing and also this guy you know saved the day by stopping the gunmen or whatever like what what does it mean like in the grand scheme of things like i just didn't add up to a whole lot for me so I guess it's somewhat similar to Dave made a maze. Like, again, it was, it was, uh, it was a concept that just ended up feeling a little thin, um, on, on anything else, but I liked it more than that just because it didn't have all the quirkiness or whatever that I didn't really like. Like I did enjoy it overall, just kind of like, it just didn't kick into that next gear that I wanted. Scott, um, I just ask you, when you say it took you that long to watch, it was because you were like pausing and rewinding or did you? Were you yes. Just away? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And trying to I figure out, video. you know, which version of, of, you know, Abe or Aaron is this, which, yeah. you know. Zach is about to have a panic attack <laughs> if you don't let it. So that man is right. seething to just talk, so let Zach talk. Zach, God he's pacing it. back. I, I, I need to stop being polite and let other people go before. Don't but, be okay. um, I uh, thought this movie was extremely arrogant and going on to Scott's thoughts. Uh, the kind of puzzle this is, is like the jigsaw puzzle that exists. There's just like just off white color pieces and it's really hard and challenging and sure you can be satisfied when you're done, but when you're done, you just got a blank white fucking picture, like nothing to, to really be pleased by or to feel like you accomplished something beautiful. Uh, because it amounts to nothing. It's just trying to, like, look how smart we are by putting this technical bullshit together. And the reason um, we're all confused is that because of the lack of exposition or the technical jargon. It's because they're not speaking technical jargon. They're speaking nothing. They are literally speaking in vague sentences and saying nothing. They speak the whole movie. So the point of not having exposition is to get into the action. But instead, they fill it up with you know, filler of, of nonsense talking. I did pull up some dialogue I wanted to read. Um, no one would say that what they were doing was complicated. It wouldn't even be considered new, except for maybe in the geological sense. They took from their surroundings what was needed and made it something more. There's literally nothing being said in that sentence. <laughs> they, they say the word something. The voiceover is hundred yeah. Something and anything are said like a hundred times at the movie, which is place of not using a noun that they could just use instead. 
Um, <laughs> okay. Um, Brian said that you know he considers himself a smart person. I'm not. I'm dumb as shit. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm barely here. I'm barely in the show. This movie drove me absolutely fucking crazy. And and I will say. I find it funny, and I, this is not an attack of Kirk. Kirk brought this movie, but when he thought before sunset, where two people just chatting in or whatever, and thought was like they're so arrogant and so up his own ass. This movie's all the way up its own ass for the entire time for me. Like they're talking about a bunch of shit, and they don't tell me anything what I'm supposed to know, and I felt lost. But I said, "Damn it, I'm not rewinding. I'm not pausing. I'm not doing anything. You're just gonna have to tell me what this movie is, or I'm not gonna get it." And apparently, I didn't get it because I was still so lost and so confused at the end of this movie. And like, I get it. I I hear that all the time. Like exposition annoys people, and like forced exposition is really annoying. I'm with Scott. It's got to be. There's got to be a middle ground. Like, I don't care if you have to put it on a napkin, put it on the back of a uh, fridge. No one has to speak it. No one has to say it. But tell me what I'm looking at and what I'm supposed to be understanding from this movie. Because I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't engage into it. And, like, Bowman's like, I love the talking over it, like, and stuff. And I was like, that, if anybody knows me, that drives me fucking batty when people talk over each other. No wonder Bowman likes it. <laughs> but I'm sitting there just, like, wanting to rip the remaining parts of my hair out because it doesn't tell me where we're going and what and then at the end i'm just like well that's an alarm that i didn't mean to set and that's where we're at so uh that's my take on it again kirk i mean i think it's interesting for the time i think there's a lot of like indie kind of movies that we brought today like for a few people that have brought onto the show it just this one just i don't want to make it rewatch it to pick up the things i missed because it pissed me off on the initial watch <laughs> i mean that's fair if you didn't like it like that's fine but like if you choose not to engage with the movie where the movie's at you really can't blame the movie for that like if you don't want you just say i don't want to like that's that's fine but like but isn't the movie supposed to engage me like and tell me what's going on but not this one because it doesn't tell you anything you're just supposed to pick up with the stuff that they're laying down but they're not laying down anything to get me engaged but I mean, that, that's what they're doing. Like they're 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 putting it out there for you to engage with. You choose not to engage with it. Again, it's fine if you don't want to, but you're not you're not meeting the movie where it's where where it's where it's asking you to go. Scott had to pause it and rewind it and watch it for two hours. Is that what everybody was supposed to do? Yeah, I didn't get okay. Well, that. next time you bring a movie, I need the I need the rules of how to watch a film because normally the I, theater, click, right? I click <laughs> yeah I click play and I end it at the end. If that wasn't the assignment, I failed. All the, no, that's fine. every movie got the same treatment. That's fine. That's fine. Like I said, if you, if if you're not like if you're not interested, if you see it once and you're like, okay, that I, I don't need, I'm not interested, then you're just not interested. But I mean, if you if if you you know that that's the movie requires a little extra work, and I'm okay with that. If you're not, you're not. I found a new type of level of hell and hate that I have is a movie that requires more work than required to watch it from start to finish. I'm happy to put in extra work when there's a reward to be benefited. You know, back to my white puzzle thing. I'm not rebuilding this puzzle again, just like See, I, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree with that. I think it's very fulfilling when you. And again, I don't. I don't claim to have it all figured out, but I think there's. I think there's a lot there to mine. How many times have you seen this? Um, I think it's my third. And 
again, like I said, I, I'm not there yet. I can't tell you everything that's happening and everything that made sense. Who to won me. the March but Madness exactly. game? That's the important question. The, the March <laughs> Madness game that he was listening to. Yeah. Okay, uh, we will. Fruits here. Hello. We will get scores. Uh, Come in. Um, so we're going to start with Kirk. You were muted. Four. We'll start with Kirk. Four. Boatman. I'm, I'm going to stick to my original guns and not be swayed three and a half, but I was thinking maybe lower. Okay. Zach. Two. Okay. Uh, Scott. I do give it three again because it was like kind of fun in the moment to try and put everything together, but then doesn't really have any staying power. Three. Um, Brian. Uh, based on my single viewing, it'd be two. Um, one and a half. Um, and I think that's being generous. Good month. Uh, uh, it was, this was not a good week for me. Well, wait until you see next episode, Kirk. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll tease that at the end because I'm so excited for next week. Um, uh, all right, Boatman. Tell us what you're Yeah. Uh, so the movie I picked was Seven Days in May. Uh, I picked this one because I, this was one of the few movies that on Letterboxd, I was the only one who had seen it. And I this was a movie I really liked. And I never heard anybody talk about it. So I wanted to bring it up. I, I basically discovered it on accident. I was just like, I think I was looking through like Martin Balsam's filmography. And I was like, this looks interesting. That, that checks out. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's, that's a dude who... He's never like the number one performance in a movie, but he's always solid. And he's yeah. in so many great ensembles. Yeah. Like if Martin Balsam's in your movie, odds are like five or six other big actors are also in your movie. But anyway, um, you know, this is uh, kind of kind of the third. This is kind of the RC Cola of the Coke versus Pepsi that was Dr. Strangelove versus Failsafe. Um, this is kind of the third 1964 Cold War paranoia nuclear movie. Um, and I actually really like it. Uh, I, I think that the, you know, the dynamics of you have Burt Lancaster, who's just one of my favorite actors, as this general who is kind of potentially, you know, starting a coup against the sitting president, played by Friedrich March, who's an actor I don't typically like all that much. I think he's usually a little overrated. This is maybe my favorite performance of his. I really like him as this president, who is just completely, like, failing at his job. Like, just, uh, you know, a president that is just getting terrible approval ratings, just not a popular president. Uh, and Kirk Douglas, I think, is a really interesting character as someone who disagrees with this president, but also strongly disagrees with the methods Lancaster is going to use. Uh, you also have Edmund O'Brien. We got nominated for an Oscar for this movie. I don't know if I would actually agree with that nomination, but I think he's really fun. I really like him as this drunk senator. I think that's a lot of fun. And Ava Gardner's also very good. Uh, but overall, I just really like you know, kind of the the intrigue going on, and I think the philosophies at debate in terms of, you know, especially at the time of when is this nuke, like, 
when is this like are we just building something for the sake of so we have to use it or is this really a good deterrent i think that's really interesting um and i i think you know kind of them exposing and i really love uh the final confrontation before the actual climax between lancaster and march i think that's really compelling like if you want to you know challenge me do it in the elected office do it through the proper channels i think that's really interesting i i just found this movie really fascinating nobody's talked about it and no i i don't know anyone who had seen it so i wanted to bring this i assumed that i was absolutely like love this film i liked it i didn't love it there were elements i love burt lancaster i love kurt douglas and i wanted i guess a little bit more from that Maybe the supporting spots I don't love as much in throughout the film, but the intrigue was like those two just bring so much, especially like that very first like scene where they're sitting at the table and like they're getting he's getting grilled by like the senator and like Lancaster is just like putting him in his place across the way. But then like the how corrupt the government basically is is like you're gonna still do this for us and like hunt down like follow Lancaster basically figure out what's going on. Um, so I did, I did enjoy overall that, that part of the film. Um, I just loved how you started. I was in the filmography of uh, Martin Balsam. I was like, as someone does, you know, someone just challenges Jill's and, you know, that's the most Boatman answer I've ever heard in my life. But no, I mean, I'm glad I saw this and I think it's one that it, more I watch it, I think it could go up for me for sure. Um, just on few watching and having to like cram movies near the end just was one that was not uh, absolute love. Uh, everybody else on this um, this movie. Uh, I am also someone who will watch a movie because Martin Balsam's in it. Um, so I was very excited to see that. But also um, the one thing that I got excited when I saw about this one is that the script was written by Rod Serling. And um, I'm a big Twilight Zone fan, and he's another good stuff. Like he wrote uh, the Planet of the Apes movie, um, you know, the original '68. Um, so I was excited, and that's like a big thing of his, like you know, nuclear. If you watch Twilight Zone, nuclear war and anti-war stuff is like a it was a big deal for him. Um, so I was really excited about that, and um, yeah, the the tone of the movie just really cool to me. Like the beginning, um, that first scene of the protest is. It, to me, it was like shot like a horror movie. Like it looked like Night of the Living Dead or something with the two, like uh, you know, counter counter protesting groups clashing. Um, and then there are scenes in there, like the the the, the airport scene uh, where the one guy gets abandoned by the the officer that was there. Uh, that felt like Hitchcock. A lot of this movie feels like Hitchcock. So there's a lot of really cool stuff. Like there's political stuff. There's like intrigue and thriller. I like all that. Um, uh, the, my biggest the downer, big, biggest downer for me again. Uh, was the the romance? Uh, Ava Gardner's character it was just kind of like a throwaway in this. Like she was just there because she had to be. Um, and then the 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 biggest are, are we? Do we spoil movies on this show? Can we talk yes. about endings? Um, the uh, the ending for me, I thought thought was a little too like I loved the the scene Boatman talked about with the the, the final <laughs> conversation between two of them. I loved, um, but the ending ending was a little too cut and dry for me. Like I, I, I was hoping for something, especially with Sterling writing it. I was hoping for something a little more cynical, a little, a little more at least open ended. And it kind of ends with like rah rah, we're going to get through this because America's awesome, and um, you know we can we can overcome this. Um, and I kind of wish is the last fifty years of actual history that followed this movie not cynical enough for you, Kurt? And I think maybe that's the lens I'm looking at it through. 
is yeah. you know like I, I feel like because the the scene that that previous scene that Boatman referred to is kind of leading up to that like you can't beat this this is this is just inevitable and then like they kind of just um I, if it, it might have been like studio notes I don't know like, yeah that, I was gonna say that feels like a studio note to be honest yeah. like that mm-hmm. I I feel like Serling probably had a much darker original yeah. ending and they were like this is Cold War paranoia nobody wants to watch in 1964 a movie yeah, exactly where the nuke drops and maybe yeah. You know, Slim Pickens rides that nuke down <laughs> while the song "Will Meet Again" starts playing. I, I think not to like live the alternate world instead of taking what the movie gave us. But I, I kind of agree. The ending I, to me is just like dragged on too much and really changed Burt Lancaster's character, who is like very controlled throughout this whole time. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, "Nope, I'm the villain. I'm going to keep going and fighting it and going to do what I want. I will give this speech. Goddamn, I'm not going to give in." Um, but I think there's something smart. Like I think maybe a better ending would be it just goes and he announces his candidacy for presidency. So he's like, I'm not giving up. I'm going to do it the way he wants. It's still that kind of moral victory the movie wants you to have. But it's also like this fuckhead still, you know, within our system can control and and make these decisions like that. Because um, he probably would have got elected anyways. Because the, the society in this movie were all filmed as like chaos agents they just want a nuclear war we need someone no treaty that's that that's a weird side to be on um but i just feel like it had like that kind of like that um crimson tide feel where it was like you kind of see burt lancaster's point it's like can we trust them is this the smart thing to do? Like, it, the, the treaty may have been a bad idea like the movie doesn't like hide like the, the president may have done the wrong thing and like Burt Lancaster is going the wrong way about it, but to him, it's like I'm saving the world by doing this. I really like that Crimson Tide comparison because I can totally see that because that's one thing I've always loved about that movie is like neither person's really wrong. You know, you kind of got to choose a side, but when it comes down to it, neither per- they're both doing really what they should be doing, and it's just a matter of different different approaches to things. Um, and actually, a lot of the influences you notice, like you talked about at the beginning, felt like a like a horror film, and then the Hitchcock influences. I can totally see that, but. More than anything else, this movie felt to me like like a big like two parter episode of The West Wing. Um, just just in terms of like you know that they're they're dealing with like you know the everything from the, the the treaty and the conversations in the in the Oval Office things like that, all the way to this you know suppose this possible military coup that's coming and kind of people through back channels and like spying on other people and bringing information. And now I don't consider that a bad thing at all because West Wing is one of the best shows ever made on television. And obviously, it came well after this movie, so I'm not, I'm not trying to say like this. This is copying West Wing by any means, but that's what it felt like, and that's I think why I enjoyed it as much as I did is because I really like that kind of thing. And that's the, and this is the kind of movie that I don't know if it would ever be put in theaters right now. This is the kind of thing that would now be made for for, for cable or, or I mean not for cable, but streaming or something like that. And so to be able to see a full you know feature film like this, and it's one that. I didn't really know anything about it's when I look at older movies, all the titles and everything's kind of run together. I don't know anything about a lot of older movies. So I kind of leave it to other people to kind of recommend them to me. So when something like this comes up and, and uh, was it Boatman? I think you brought this. Yeah. So when you bring that one, I'm like, okay, this is one I should check out and I watch it. And I was actually very happy. I did. So I definitely enjoyed it overall. Um, I think, I mean, I liked the ending. Like again, maybe I'm bringing the 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 baggage of the the many decades that followed this into the movie. But I felt like it kind of 
rang hollow in a way like his speech and everything at the end like yeah it wouldn't it be great if we could if if uh you know this was actually going to work out but do we actually believe that um and honestly i think the same thing about ava gardner her character like i think that is the definitely the weak part of the movie the part that has aged the worst because it's like they go out of their way to make this whole point about well you know we're trying to stop the coup right but there's a right way to do it, right? There's a right way to do it. And it's not by using the guy's personal letters or whatever against him, right? We're going to go about this the moral and just way. And I just thought that was kind of like a, honestly, it's, looking back on it now, it's laughable when you look at the way that politics are nowadays, <laughs> like that people will do the most despicable things for the most, you know, petty, insignificant, like political wins or whatever. Look at somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene or whatever. Like, I mean, she would she would have put brought those letters out before like Ava Gardner could have even finished I, reading them or whatever. Like, this is know. a 1960s version of Anthony Weiner's dick pics. So, <laughs> so that part of it, yeah, not 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 the best. But the rest of the movie, I thought, was very exciting, very um, you know suspenseful and. Yeah, interesting. Like uh, the anti-war stance is interesting for the time. You know, you mentioned the Cold War, but obviously Vietnam was going on at this point, too. So um, you think about the idea of this president being perceived as like weak because he's, you know, not interventionist. He's pacifist. Um, interesting, you know, idea for the time, for sure. And I, yeah, I agree. I think Frederick March is like really, uh, really fantastic at the movie. Maybe the standout performance just... Um, the sort of the tortured figure that he is and dealing with his own lack of popularity. And now the fact that like one of his closest advisors is trying to overthrow him. And then what happens with his close friends, right. And Edmund O'Brien and his other friend and everything. Um, I thought all of that was great. I really liked Kirk Douglas as well in the movie. Like um, I think uh, between this and paths of glory, like when he plays like the soldier, the idealistic soldier, right. Who was like, resisting the the establishment and the system like that's like a perfect role for him um he has like that i guess fundamental like goodness or something about him to where like you always believe in him as like this guy is going to get us through this like he has the right intentions and you know he he uh we we can believe in him um so i thought he did a really good job yeah it's a, it's an it's a really good thriller for the time period great cast um interesting um you know commentary for especially for you know 1964 one or two things that i might have tweaked but it's a really solid movie overall it's a great okay. capital h hollywood it's just, um it's just very much you can see these great important actors um giving speeches against each other yeah. on the old kind of the uh, a different kind of action movie in a way action of words um but what is also, uh, is really important is that the movie is not at all about the nuclear bomb or the treaty or those ideas. That's why they have the same thing. It's because what it really cares about is when you disagree, what's the methods that are appropriate mm -hmm. to take that? It just uses the rest as this padding to make to make that point. Okay, um, Bowman, what's your rating? I was going back and forth on this. Um, I think I'm going to go four and a half. I'm going to stick to what I originally rated it. I'm going to go four and a half. I'll, I'll admit it's on the weaker end of four and a half than it was when I first saw it, but still, I, I think it holds up well enough. I'm going to stick to my guns. 
Okay. Um, Zach. I'll go with four. Okay. I'm going three and a half. Um, like, didn't, I think it could get better, but I didn't overall love it. Uh, again, Burt Lancaster will, is great in most everything. Um, so, uh, Scott. Four stars. Really good. Brian. Three and a half. Kirk. Uh, real close between three and a half and four. I think if it was stuck to landing, it would have been four. Uh, but I'm going to go to three and a half. Okay. And we're on to the last movie of the night, the movie that I brought. I brought uh, 2014's Fury. Um, the reason why I brought Fury is because I saw it in 2014. I really liked it in 2014. I haven't seen it since. So I wanted to basically see how it held up um, over that uh, long of a watch. And I will say very well for me. Um, I think this movie is absolutely brutal. I think this movie shows war and like the the most um, like not redeeming light of all time. Like I, it's very hard to watch for certain scenes. Um, there are some great scenes overall throughout this movie, but there's some very uncomfortable scenes. Like I don't think I've ever like if I had to rank like uncomfortable scenes, like when they um, when Brad Pitt and them were up in the the house or the apartment and the other guys show up and they're all just sitting around the amount of just like tension and like disgust and like is with them is just so much. And then the scenes that follow after that, like the new guy gets into war, like gets put into war eight weeks into war gets with this veteran group and is definitely not cut out for war whatsoever. And basically is like stealing his youth at the time. And, he, um, it's basically his, like, his, like, life of how it is, um, throughout it. Uh, so that scene is very rough, and then the girl, you know, ends up dying. I still think that tank battle that they have in that field is, like, one of the, the coolest shot scenes, like, in a movie I've seen in a while, and it lived up to the hype on rewatch. Um, but just, I got a lot of Lieutenant Aldo Rain a little bit in this, but less funny. Um, he definitely got back into that character a little bit in parts. You can see how he talks to people and how he interacts. But, like, you actually see, like, a brutal side of Brad Pitt. Like, he's not the most likable character on screen, which is sometimes you don't see that in film. So to see that play out and just how brutal this movie actually plays out and how the movie ends... Um, yeah, I just, it lived up to the hype for me again after rewatch. I thought it was just a one and go like, oh, 2014, that's a really great movie. Let's move on. Never really wanted to watch it uh, again. I definitely enjoyed it. I'm curious to see everybody. I think when I was logging this, you guys may have seen it, but I didn't see a lot of people have logged it because, you know, before, before Letterboxd or never going back to it and seeing it after that. So I'm curious to see what everybody else's thoughts on this. So anybody not see this before? Okay, okay. So I, I, everybody that rewatched, I'm kind of curious of like your guys' thoughts because technically, I guess it's been near as long or a little bit maybe after the fact, but I don't remember a lot of you guys logging. So go ahead. Yeah, I saw it 
when it first came out too, and it's my first rewatch since. And I liked it then. I think I liked it more now. Um, I think it locked. And I think just having and yeah, I mean, he's Aldo Reigns on Ridland in this movie. Like he's very this like a very subdued version of that character. Um, I love the tank battles that you mentioned. Uh, I think are great. The one cool thing about it, I, I realized from the first time I watched this movie, I've never seen tracer rounds in color before. Like you always see that black and white footage of like the, the bright lights shooting, but you never see them. And I have no idea if that's really how they what they look like or not. But I think it's really cool that they like it, it, you know uh, put that into the movie. You see tons of World War II movies. You never see tracer rounds. Um, and I like the tank battles, the way they very sh- much showed like from a technical level how they worked. You know them barking out commands and you know what they're doing. And I like the fact that in the battle scenes. They gave you the dialogue going it from the opponents, from the German tanks or whatever. Like you could hear what they were saying, so it was like a chess match, and you saw them actually like what what their both objectives were, how they planned to defeat each other. Uh, so from a strategic point, it was just really interesting to watch that. At the same time, I think it did a really good job of showing the effect that that had on the characters. You know, you got to see them from a professional standpoint doing their jobs, but also you know the, the wear and tear they uh, that that it did from the characters. Um, and I just love that basically every um, you know Norman's the focus and uh, you know what you know the the effect the war is having on him. But I like that he's brought in a situation where the war has impacted and affected everybody else different. Like Brad Pitt's character is kind of pragmatic, like he's still trying to maintain his moral center, but like he's like you shoot this guy in the head right now because I need you to be able to kill. Cause that's what we're here to do. We're just here to care people, kill people. That's our job right now. And that's just, it is what it is. We got to deal with it. And where, um, you know, Bible is, you know, he's relying on his faith. Like he believes there's, there's some purpose to all this. And then, um, uh, John Bernthal's character has basically just like given himself over and he's not even really human anymore. And the, and, and, and the, and the, and the, the movie is just, which, which way is Norman going to go? Like how will the, the war affect him? How will it change him? And I really like that aspect. So I think from a from from basically a war movie standpoint, it's great. From a character study, it's also great. It seems like every decade there's like a, a, a at least one like big war ensemble film. You know, whether it be like you know from Platoon to Saving Private Ryan to you know Black Hawk Down or this or things like that, where it just puts together like this great cast of like you know young actors and it puts them in this thing. And more often than not, it turns out to be a really good movie. And Fury's one that. I liked when it first came out, but I, I, the very first time I watched it, I gave it a little bit lower rating, but it's gone up since then. Um, Cause I just really like the way it's done. Like Kirk said, it as far as technically kind of shows you how the whole, the strategy of, of war works out and everything like that. But more than anything else, it's about, you know, basically these, this small group of guys and they, you know, basically live in this tank and, and how the war affects them because, you know, not only the effects of, you know, the war itself and the violence, things like that, but the effects it has on the people themselves. Cause like, I, I think it was platoon like the tagline was like the first casualty of war is innocence and i kind of feel like that actually applies even more to this movie because like especially with um uh norman machine i think yeah machine um he starts out as this kid who you know he doesn't want to shoot anybody he won't do anything and by the end he's like "Fuck you nazis you better run and he's like you know blowing him away and he's kind of degraded into that kind of person and then it just it, it just kind of takes everyone and the, the, all the all civilities lost everything like there's a moment in the the scene you were talking about cody in the in the uh in the house where they have a breakfast and things like that is this whole area where they kind of find this oasis from the war it's like hey we're kind of this is almost like back to normal life we have peace we have comfort you know everyone can act, act civilly towards each other 
But the next thing you know, those guys are bursting in the room and acting like a bunch of, you know, animals and pigs. And it's kind of ruins any sense of, you know, peace that they might have had, even just for a, for a short moment. And um, so I think that as much as it is absolutely, you know, a war movie as far as showing the, 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 the fighting and the violence and it's all about the tank battles and things like this. It's just as much uh, very personal about how it affects the people. Yeah, I saw it when it came out, and I was really into it. And then it just it went way down for me and rewatch. And maybe it's the lack of watching it on the big screen that I wasn't as entranced by the visuals, which I still think are pretty striking, and by the the action scenes. And then I get watch a small screen, I get more caught up in thinking about the ideas or or lack thereof. I mean, Brian mentioned something which I agree, but I, I maybe this is my own like moral philosophy is kind of taking control too much, but I, I felt like his idea was these guys are all assholes. The war makes them assholes. And that's also what they should be. And probably the right thing is we all should be assholes. And it, it's a little bit of this like weird kind of masculinity. Um, Cause and they're just like not the nice enough when they're doing like truly horrible things like going um, and you know, harassing the girl in that house. I actually love the making our own family scene. Uh, and I think my mind liked it so much that I enhanced it because I definitely thought it was like at least half hour, if not longer. And I felt like they could kind of go in and get out. And I, I found that a little frustrating on the rewatch. So I think that that would have been a more interesting layer to dive into rather than look how brutal war is. And maybe that's now, you know, we just had All Quiet and the Rest in front, which took a lot of discourse for just being like, war is rough. We all know it. And that might have been something else, another um extracurricular idea i've kind of taken into this i was like i don't need any more movies that are just like yeah war shit like you know so. this was my yeah. first time watching watching huh. it um yeah i i wanted to like it more than i did ultimately i found parts of it to be pretty like cliche over the top you know use whatever like I did not. John Bernthal, I thought that character was a cartoon character. He was playing honestly. that like borderline mentally challenged. It was, that was yeah, a... it was it was rough. Um, and even Shia LaBeouf, some of him is like, oh, he's, you know, Bible and quoting on the Bible verses and all that. I just felt like that stuff was kind of played out. Um, I, yeah, I, I just, I found the, the action scenes to be a little too video gamey in a way. Like, again, just like the look of the rounds and like the freaking laser look of it all was just like it kind of it took me out of the moment like it, it didn't realistic or not like it's not something that i'm used to seeing and it took me out of what i know they were trying to to do was it which was you know have a really gritty realistic feel to it yeah some of the stuff like in the tank some of the mind games and all that is a little bit more successful but then you get to the end and it's like i don't really know how the movie wants Wants me to feel because it, yeah, the whole time it's like, yeah, war is hell. Like, obviously, it's portraying like the horrors of war and um, how it's affected this kid. But then it's like they do kind of want you to be like, admire them in some way in the end when they're there in the tank and they're like having their last stand or whatever. Um, and I just felt like it was kind of discordant with what the rest of the movie was trying to do. And um, you know, I liked the the final moment of Logan Lerman, like, being rescued or whatever, and they're like, hey, you know, you did it or whatever, and it's like, well, no, like, what just happened was horrifying and traumatic and everything. But there are just other moments where it feels like the movie is kind of like, well, they were heroes in, in their own way. Um, that just didn't really sit right with me, given 
what is portrayed in the rest of the film. And, 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 you know, the Brad Pitt character too, like, I'm not sure how we're meant to feel in the end, but I certainly didn't think he was very redeemable. Like the, when he makes Nor uh, Norman, when he makes Logan Lerman, like shoot the guy or whatever, like puts the gun in his hand. And I was like, no man. Um, so this, this one was, it was tough for me. Um, I didn't feel like it had anything really interesting to say about the whole situation. A few moments that were kind of contradictory to me and the look of the movie just isn't something that I was really into. It was, it, you know, parts of it were immersive, but then other parts of it like ripped me out of it. I, I, I will. I, oh. ahead, just, yeah, just, I, real, just real, let me say this real quick. I would say that, cause I'm not gonna be like, when you say that you don't know how the movie wants you to feel about it, to me, that's more of a feature than a flaw. Like, I like the fact that it's, you know, because the whole situation is ambiguous. So I like how we're supposed to, you know, the, our feelings. But, are but I think the whole movie is designed towards, like we're saying, like the war is, war is hell mentality. It's just when we get towards the end, it's like all of a sudden they kind of, it seems like they introduce ambiguity into it. And I'm not really sure why or for what purpose. Uh, so to, to just kind of go off of that quick before I give overall thoughts, I, I think that every war movie lives in the contradiction in that every war movie glorifies war and every war movie admonishes it. Regardless of how pro or anti-war the movie itself is, I think every war movie lives in those two contradictions. Uh, in terms of the actual movie, I actually really liked it. Uh, I think containing the movie to the tank, I think, was a really great idea of essentially distilling the whole experience of World War II down to just this one area and one element. Of course, the tank moves and goes all these different places, but still, essentially, distilling it down to that to that one way. Um, I, I like the whole cast. John Bernthal didn't really bother me. He wasn't one of the standouts or anything, but he, he didn't really bother me. Uh, the performance I actually really liked of this movie. And I, I, I'm kind of coming to the realization that this is an actor that I disliked because the internet told me to dislike him when I was 12. Shia LaBeouf is a good actor, guys. Yeah. I, I think Shia LaBeouf is actually a really good actor. I think people were mad about the fact that there was a human character at all in the Transformers movies, and they were mad that Indiana Jones had a son. And I think the internet decided that he was the reason those movies sucked. Uh, I don't well, think he didn't help it when he went apeshit for a while there too. So I mean that's true. He, he's weird. <laughs> he's like, he's but, still going apeshit. <laughs> I, yeah, yes. I mean he's he's a weirdo psychopath, but I think he is a legit. I mean people hated him before he was a weirdo psychopath. Yeah, yeah. You could argue he became a weirdo psychopath because people hated him so much. Regardless. I actually think he's really good in this. Um, and I, I don't want to talk about it too much because you guys all touched on it, but I, I loved the breakfast scene. I think the dynamics at play there once they entered into the room was like so good and essentially people almost saying exactly what they mean. And the fact that there's really this like play for power and John Bernthal is almost like trying to get this upper hand and then Pitt just finally grabs the reins there. I think it's really neat. Um, and yeah, I, I will say, uh, Kirk, I didn't know 
the the thing that you're talking about the, about the colored tracers. Yeah. So I thought that was just a really dumb stylistic choice. And now that I know that, oh, that's an actual thing, I I feel like that's less stupid. Because that's, if it's realistic, I don't care if it looks stupid. That's the way it was. That's my that's my point, though, is like you just you've never seen it depicted in that way before. I understand it may be realistic, but like for me, I just it just can't help but like take me out of it and like be like wait a second am i watching star wars now all of a sudden less realistic what'd you say brian i said because they explain in the movie like every fifth round is a tracer so that you can tell where yeah. you're shooting at yeah so my thing is i'm not surprised at who hates it and who or who doesn't like it as much and who does i'm just thinking like i enjoy like the like where he has to force the kid to kill somebody because at the end of the day, that's his life on the line. And like they use kids to, uh, to against their will to let down their guard to kill them. Like, so they have to make them as brutal because if he doesn't do it, it's a bullet in his back. And like, it even, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like they were supposed to like, I know like Scott didn't like that scene, but, I, I didn't feel like you were supposed to like what he was doing. I think you're supposed to feel like kind of disgusted yeah. by the scene. Yeah. No, like, yes, I I agree. Like you, you absolutely are. But that was the problem with me is I, I just, what they were doing with the, the Brad Pitt character just seemed kind of bipolar how they wanted. Uh, but I mean, I think it's a bipolar situation because it's like, you know, he didn't want, like, he doesn't want to make this kid murder somebody, but it's like, if he doesn't learn to kill that all these guys that I'm responsible for, are now in danger because he's not able to do. I didn't, but, but I didn't buy during the breakfast scene, like the kind of maybe he has a little bit of a heart sort of thing, like where he's stopping. I the think other. that's why he and him are up there and the rest are down there because he's trying to get him a break from the, the war elements mm -hmm. that it is. And that's why when he breaks in, it breaks that part. And he's like, you're not going to ruin this for me. And I think it's very an interesting part is when he breaks it down to the kid is so I've been started killing Nazis in Africa and into this and now into Germany. I'm doing this all over the place. And I have to, I didn't really, I mean, I get kind of get what you're saying, but like the tank battle that seemed video game ish, I don't see that at all. I see that as a very like real technical way to like get to the end of it because video game, I think they just blow it up instantly, but they have to like maneuver it and it ends up taking out two of them. And I think that's where the, when they finally finish that task and like Shia LaBeouf's like best job I ever had, like they come back to reality because they're still alive, but it's arguably not. Again, I wanted to rewatch it. It went really, it went high for me, um, higher than I probably when I first originally watched it. Um, so we'll get scores. Um, I'm four and a half. I'm four and a half. I enjoyed this movie a lot. I think it's brutal. I and I think the time away from it made it more brutal for me. And uh, we'll go back to it. Uh, Zach, two point five. Original four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different person. And I also he love is. that you were like David Ayer. That's a director to keep his eye out, look out I, for. I was convinced between that and um, what you call it, end of watch. Movie, I was like, end of watch. I, was, I thought so. You're like, yeah. bring that on that H I, I need to delete whatever I wrote back then. <laughs> I I looked at it today after I watched. It. I'm like, oh, we'll see how he feels now. I knew it was going down. Um, Scott, two and a half. That's fair. I hated girlfriends, so that we're even on that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Scott, I didn't uh, hate Brandon. her. Four stars. No, that's true. Okay. Uh, Kirk. 
I'm for and on a quick on a quick Google search here, there were multicolored uh, tracer rounds used in World War II, and it looked like even some countries used their own. I'm not doubting it. I, I, I'm no, not I'm just because I wasn't sure. No, he's like, he's a, he said he yeah. didn't know. Because so honestly, honestly, it did look a little Star Wars to me. So like, I was wondering if that's really how it looked like each country yeah. had their own color, you know. But that's um, like my gr- grandfather watching war movies. They didn't use that shit back then. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a movie. Shut the fuck up and watch it. Um, uh, you got four, uh, Brian. I said four. Oh no, no, sorry. I looked. I said Let's Brian. I looked at both. It has not changed since I said four. Four. Okay. All right. Well, that's the roundtable. Thanks everybody for being on. Um, it was a blast. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I'm just gonna do a teaser at the end. Next week, next month might be the end of the show. I'm gonna be real honest with you. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I can get going. Uh, we're gonna have Brooklyn, Spence. Mark, Brian, Scott, and myself, and the movies that have been chosen. Um, Pogi uh, Beach, Beach <laughs> Minding, Minding the Gap, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, Power Rangers 2017, oh my God. Terrifier <laughs> 2, and the original Wicker Man. So, Find out if we're here for episode 11. I can't wait for in-depth Power Rangers analysis. That's going to be awesome. (laughs) Bye-bye.